0: Uh, I'm not sure if this is gonna work.
1: And we gotta have fun with it. It's gonna work.
0: I I really don't know if this intro is gonna work.
1: It's going to work. Just trust me. Formula One is back again. Latsu race setting pace. We're ready for the new year. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Mercedes is looking rough. Very tough. Just our luck. Hamilton could beat the best. Will he win number eight? Max is going for the lead. Can he win? Oopsie spin. McLaren's car's looking sharp. Watch Lando fly. Lots of drivers in new seats. Sergio, Ricardo, Will Carlos outshine Leclerc. Who knows, who knows, who knows. Haas has a whole new lineup. Or money, legacy. Williams under new owners. Will George get a shot. Many races to enjoy. 23 soon to be. Who's ready for the season? We know we freaking are.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Off the Pit Wall. Hunter, you and I were getting pumped because we were listening to the the Super Max
1: Max Super Max Max Super Max Max Super, <laughs> super Max, Max Max Super Max Max. Yes.
0: Oh, my God. We're listening to the Super Max song from way back in 2016 because Max Verstappen has won himself the second race of this season. And boys, do we have a championship battle ahead of us?
1: It's beautiful. It's so fast. It's only two races in it. It's awesome. That was also the first time he's finished a race in the country of Italy in the past three starts.
0: Well, it's also the first time that he's finished a race in Italy in the top three in the history of his career. That's even better. <laughs> and, of course, he takes home the win. I take home the bag because uh, I, I did happen to throw a bet out there that Max does win that race. So, you know, got a little extra spending money for uh. cheddar. Yeah, first for celebrating. And, um, you know, I also have a little extra cheddar because I put money on Lando Norris making the podium.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I had an
0: excellent day. I was really enjoying myself, uh, as many people were, for the 2021 Emilia Romana Grand Prix. Emila was another beautiful race. This is back-to-back races. The start of the season so far has been fantastic this year in Formula 1. So, Hunter, we have a lot to go over. We're going to be talking about our drivers of the day, our disappointments of the day. And we're going to be going through and grading every team's performance in this past race weekend. And this is going to be a lot of fun because this race was incredible. If you thought Bahrain, with how close that finish was, was crazy... This race, for the fact that it was a wet race, for the fact that people were sliding all over the place, for the fact that we've had a huge shakeup in terms of, you know, what we would typically expect if you go back to last year or the year before. Like I said, we have a championship battle. You know, it's no longer Mercedes going to run away with this. Red Bull is going to fight. And this race is just another, another piece of proof for it. Hunter, to summarize the race, Max Verstappen comes home with a victory. Lewis Hamilton has a crazy comeback drive to put himself in second. Lando Norris gets his second ever podium and gets McLaren's first podium of the season this year. And most importantly, Nikita Mazepin maintains his streak of spinning in every single race of the season so far.
1: Now, as you know, Dan, I didn't get to watch the race live. I watched a taped replay of it a little bit later, and you gave me the update that Massa spun, and I thought you lied to me. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought, I thought he didn't do it. He Dan lied to me, but no, nope, he got it in buzzer beater right at the end. Got the nice little spin with He's like the shriek alive
0: yeah with like the funniest camera angle because it's like the camera that's built into the track so yep. you just see this like just in the distance you just see this poor poor Haas car just go spinning across the track and it was like the driest point of the race too yeah.
1: like that was just a bad look but it's it is it is what it is it's nikita mass spin. it's nikita mass's spin if you will at this point
0: yeah it's Absolutely ridiculous. Just tally another one onto when did dot Which, if you have not seen that website, that's a fantastic website. Go check it out. But among all of this, among Max's win, among Lewis Hamilton recovering with a crazy drive at the end there, we got to talk about the biggest controversy of this race. Now, last race, the big controversy was, of course, Max passing off the track and whether or not he should have given the position back and all that stuff. This week, we're talking about a massive collision between two drivers, one who's obviously famed for, you know, working with a front-running team in Valtteri Bottas, and the other one who is being heralded as his replacement as early as next season in George Russell. 30 laps into the race, basically at the halfway point, George Russell, Valtteri Bottas come together. They both wipe each other out. They red flag the race. There's a whole lot of controversy over after the accident, George Russell going over, yelling at Valtteri Botas, Botas flipping him off, and then George Russell smacking him in the helmet. The man was just in an actual car accident. You're smacking him in the head.
1: It's the heat of the moment. they're, They're competitors. It is what it is. I don't see the big deal. I don't see what the problem is. They didn't actually start fighting each other. It's whatever.
0: The big question is whose fault is that accident? Are you in the mindset of Botas where George Russell made a mistake, was trying to get aggressive on a wet line and smashed into him as a result? Or are you on Team Russell that says that Botas spooked him by kind of trying to cut him off and force them into the grass, causing that accident?
1: I'm in uh, both campaign. I mean, it, it, what do you expect? You're, you're, you're in a race. C- First of all, Botas is probably already very angry that he's that far back in the car he's in. George, I understand he wanted more points, but beggars can't be choosers. You were already in tenth at that point in time. What was it? Sergio Perez still had to take a what essentially would be a stop and go penalty, which would be a, like a forty five second total penalty. You would net gain another position, be in ninth. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But also, if you're gonna go for that move, you got to know the guy's gonna try to block it a little bit. He's allowed to move one time, so I, I just don't. I don't get it. But the one thing I will say. Is that clearly from that first time they showed the replay? I immediately went, "Wow!" If it weren't for the halo, again, another driver would have just most likely perished because his his front left wheel, I mean, smacked the heck out of out of that halo system or the side part of the halo it would have gone right in his head. So props to the halo again, proving how beautiful it is and how amazing it is. But it's both their faults. I mean, it's a racing deal. It's no one's fault. It was a racing deal.
0: Yeah, and I know that's the big thing is the big assumption is that Valtteri Bottas could very easily be losing his seat at Mercedes after this season. His contract is up and George Russell is already kind of being pinned as that replacement. This is the same exact storyline that we saw hyped up last year at the secure Grand Prix where, you know, you had Bottas and Russell racing in the Mercedes and everyone was like, oh, well, the pressure's on Bottas because if Russell does better than him, why would Mercedes bother keeping Bottas when Russell has shown that if you give him the tools, he can be a better driver? And I agree with you that for Russell, it does seem greedy. I know like they're racers, they're going to race, but you're almost outpacing a Mercedes with a Williams on pure pace alone.
1: At that point in the race, there was no need to, to get that greedy. I understand you want more spots. You're a race car driver. You don't ever want to just be content. But you were two years in a row clearly going to get a points finish unless something crazy happened and you caused something crazy to happen by making a dumb mistake. In the same track. It's both their fault. It's a racing deal. I don't think there should be blame on either driver. Uh, I think there should be praise for the Halo system again. Uh, And then the after incident thing... What do you want George to do? Just take the bird and then just walk away? Like, I don't care. Like, (laughs) like, he got – like, he's – they're both angry. They both were just in a 200-mile-an-hour collision. They got out of their cars both immediately. Well, Botas took a little bit because he was winded. But, I mean, I'd be winded too if I just hit – a. if a car just hit me and then I hit a wall and then another wall and then I spun around at 200 miles an hour. So I think it's just a racing deal. It is what it is and just – you don't need to hype it up. It's just what it is.
0: All right, one last question before we move on about this incident. Do you think this incident either further diminishes Valtteri's chances of maintaining an F1 seat either with Mercedes or with a different team next year? And do you think this incident negatively affects George's chance to get in that Mercedes seat next year?
1: I think that uh Valtteri Bottas has shown that he is a good F1 driver. Um he's racing against what people can argue is one of the the best drivers of all time. I mean, if you just look at a stat line, if like, if you're just going off analytics, you can, you can say that, uh, obviously there's personal feelings and whatnot for, for other reasons of why people think certain drivers are the best, but Botas is racing against one of the best there has ever been just period. So the fact that he still gets a podium every race, like that's, good enough. You know, I think he would get maybe a seat for at least a year in one of the lower teams. And then if he did horrible, then yeah, he's out. I don't think he needs to be out right away. And for Russell, the only way I can see this negatively impacting his chances is if people take the whole smacking Valtteri in the head too seriously. I've seen much worse things happen on a racetrack between two drivers. Like it was the heat of the moment. He, George apologized online. I think that's a bunch of hooey, like, oh, this is not the type of person I am. Clearly, in the heat of moment, that's the type of person you are. So I don't know why, why you're trying to say you aren't that person, but whatever. But yeah, no, I think if George is to get the seat, he's to get the seat. If not, he didn't get it for some other reason. I highly doubt this one incident is the reason why he doesn't get the seat if he ends up not getting it.
0: All right. Well... That's enough about this big incident. Obviously, you know, you can... We, we can talk about this for days, about what could happen, you know, what should happen. But at the end of the day, they both were knocked out uh, halfway through the race, you know, finishing 18th and 19th. You know, they would have been dead last if it wasn't for a uh, incident between Nicholas Latifi and uh, our boy Nikita Mazepin earlier in the race. So they, they ruined their race weekend. They walk away with no points each. But... Instead of talking about them the entire time, let's get to our Drivers of the Day. Hunter, who is your Driver of the Day?
1: You know, I I would love to say Max, but he, you know, he's won before. He should be there. Uh, So I'm probably honestly going to go with either Lando Norris or Charles Leclerc. Both drivers putting the cars where we wouldn't have thought beginning of the season in places that we really wouldn't have thought would end up right now. So uh, it's kind of a time for me between Norris and Leclerc.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm going to be more definitive out of those two drivers. I'm going to give it to Lando Norris. Lando Norris was the actual driver of the day, by the way. With, I forget the exact percentage of the votes that he got or whatever, but he did walk away the driver of the day. I'm giving it to, to Lando for a specific reason. Charles, as we know, does extremely well in qualifying. Qualified fourth. Finished fourth. He got that spot. He held on to that spot. We talked about how Ferrari needs to work on maintaining it spots when it comes to the actual race itself in our our previous episode, but for Lando, he qualified seventh, finished third. I I think out of like all the drivers that ended up in the points, he had one of the the best drives to get up there. You know, did a fantastic job, and you know, if the race was two laps shorter, there's a chance that he could have held off uh, Lewis Hamilton. So
1: I mean you're exactly right. So
0: when Lewis Hamilton was climbing through the ranks, I feel like he he was behind Lando longer than he was behind both Charles and Carlos when he was working his way back up. So for that Lando Norris gets my nod as driver of the day. Really no surprise there. And I totally get why you would also say Charles Leclerc as well because that Ferrari doing way better than what uh, we could have assumed based on last year's results. However, for disappointment of the day, Hunter, which driver do you think had the most disappointing performance?
1: Based off of the way the race started, I I really honestly want to say, I know I keep bringing him up, but I want to say Yuki. He was doing really, really well, and then he had a goof, fell back, worked his way up a little bit, and just it. I, I think that's the most disappointing. Everyone else that finished behind him, I mean, really, other than, than Botas, he qualified back. So, like, he was already having a disappointing day. He That wasn't really, you know what I mean? Other than Yuki, a would have been the only other guy I would have maybe said, like, that was a disappointment compared to his teammate. But, yeah, I'd say Yuki probably had one of the most disappointing days. Russell, obviously, is going to beat himself up. But uh, I'll go with Yuki because he was actually looking to score another point finish and do well and then help out the team, but uh, dropped the car. So, going to go with Yuki.
0: Yeah, and I mean, as you said, Yuki started 20th on the grid. He, you know, had to be given permission to start the race since he didn't even set a qualifying time because of uh, that little wreck through, um, you know, the chicane at the top of the hill. And it's a good reason, but I have to, in my mind, say that Sergio Perez kind of disappointed Everyone was all right, that's actually
1: really fair. That's yeah. really fair.
0: Sergio Perez lit the world on fire by out Max Verstappen in the dry. Okay. That's an important little. That's
1: true. Yes. Asterisk. That is a little tidbit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But in the dry is the first time that Max Verstappen was out by his teammate since 2018.
1: That's Daniel Ricciardo did it.
0: His teammates since then with Gasly, with, with Albon, all of them. The only time that they could beat Max was in a crazy situation in the wet. So because of that, I mean, I had a lot of expectation for Sergio putting the thing on the front row with Lewis Hamilton. And sure, he fell back to third at the beginning because Max had a great start to that race. But I don't think that takes away from the fact that Sergio, instead of holding on to third, finished the race 11th.
1: Yeah, that is bad. It is really bad. Yeah. I will say that the rain did play a lot in that, but yeah, that's still still horrible. Like that's still not how you want the weekend to go.
0: No, no. So because of that, I think I have to give disappointment of the day to Sergio Perez and you're giving it to Yuki. Uh, A couple of guys who just ended up right outside the points after all the penalties were handed out at the end of the race uh, in 11th and 12th, respectively. And from here, let's start breaking down performances by team and handing out some grades, Hunter, because I know that is one of our favorite things to do here on the podcast. So starting at the top, Mercedes, they qualified first and eighth. They ended the race second and, well, technically 18th due to what order that George and Valtry crashed in. <laughs> But yeah, um,
1: Valkyrie crashed a little farther ahead than George, so yeah, yeah. he's farther um, into the lap with the crash.
0: Yes, so because of that, he gets uh, 18th. What grade do you give to Mercedes for their performance at Imola this past weekend?
1: Well, they started on pole, they finished second, and then Valkyrie was kind of out of the equation even from qualifying. Uh, then he really dropped the ball when he got wrecked. So they're a team that should be winning, and, or at the very least scoring double podiums every week. I'd say at the I would say at the absolute worst case scenario, top five, both drivers every week. So the fact that they only got second and 18th, I, I got to give these guys a D.
0: Yeah. And you also got to remember that that crash between Valtteri and George was the only thing saving Hamilton from an even worse, worse position because that's very true. It, it caused a safety car, meaning that Hamilton got to get an advantage when he pitted. For a new wing uh, because he messed that up when he nearly beached himself in the gravel. And then there was a red flag, which caused all of the gaps between the cars to completely disappear. So if it wasn't for all of that, there's an argument that he wouldn't. I mean, when we restarted the race, he was ninth and climbed up to second. He could have been even further down if it wasn't for how conveniently timed that crash was. So. That, that's also something to consider, that Lewis Hamilton, he got second with a you know great recovery drive, but that was also lucky.
1: It, it really was. That was my first thought as well, was that he was about to not even score points, because he was have to come in, he had to change a wing, get back out there. I, I really didn't think he would even score points if that safety car didn't come out. And if that happened, there was no way Botas was even getting the top five still, so... I, it was looking like it was going to be a beautiful, beautiful points day for for uh, Red Bull, but I mean Hamilton lucked out, and the team still gets a D though. So, yeah, I will say
0: Lewis Hamilton brilliant recovery drive, and solely because of the recovery drive, I give them a C minus. Botas was not; he was a non-factor the entire race. He qualified yeah. eighth. He qualified, yeah, that's he qualified behind both McLarens, both Red Bulls, a Ferrari and an Alpha Tauri. And, of course, and his even, teammate. So that's I don't ridiculous. even think
1: he got a single lap time deleted either. I think that was just straight up. He got he qualified eighth.
0: Yeah, because I mean, tons of people had their lap times deleted. I mean, Lance Stroll didn't even set a time in Q3 because every attempt was deleted. Lando Norris would have started third if it wasn't yeah. for the fact that he barely ended up outside the uh Outside the line on those final two turns going into that pit straight. So
1: we'll say I did really like that this week. They listened. They clearly listened to the podcast, Dan. Oh, they uh, clearly listened to the clearly, podcast. They clearly listened to the podcast, and they they policed the crap out of those lines. And as much as the drivers probably hated it, I loved it. There was it was because it was fair. It was black and white, and it was this is the rule, and we're not budging.
0: Yes, uh, to Ross Braun, who's clearly listening to our podcast, thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. For for taking our advice into consideration into this next race. It's really funny because I'm looking at the race classification on uh, the Wikipedia page for the uh, Grand Prix right now, and there are so many notes about end-of-race penalties. I mean, Lance Stroll got dropped back a position
1: Yuki had so Yeah,
0: y- Yuki had a five-second penalty. Kimi Raikkonen also had a penalty, but that was for uh, issues with the uh, the red flag restart that ended up dropping him out of the points. But regardless, no matter what, Botas did terrible in qualifying, and Lewis had to do a crazy recovery drive. They get a minus. C-, you're giving them a D. Um, still not a good day if you're a Mercedes fan. Now, on the other hand, the winner of the race, Red Bull, they qualified second and third. They finished first and 11th, which not as good. Uh, what's your grade for Red Bull?
1: We thought Max should win last week. Going into this week, we really thought that he should be up there again. Perez qualified second, finished 11th. So, I mean, that's horrible. If Perez would have just scored in the points, just some points, they would be a pretty much tied or have the constructor standing lead right now. I know it's only race two, but still, that that would be nice for them. And, uh, yeah, so, again, teams should have done way better as a team. Individually, Max did phenomenal. Perez, not. So, got to put it together, and you get, like, a C-minus, a D again. So, I know they won, but they, the car they have this year looks like they should be battling to win every race. So, I, I got to give them a C-minus or a D again.
0: You're you're giving them a C minus, and they won the damn race.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm just saying, as a team, Max gets an A plus. The team C minus. I'm
0: not that harsh on them. When we talked about the, the expectations and the goals for the team coming into this week, we said that they should win. Um, I mean, Ser- Sergio had a very disappointing race. A Great qualifying, disappointing race.
1: I'm just saying just a race grade, C minus. Yes, they won. Great job. But they also didn't even get a double points finish. And their biggest and their biggest rival, one of them didn't even finish a race. So, like, that's just a free point spot right there. And you don't even grab that? C minus, D plus.
0: To me, the fact that Max won. The fact that Max, okay, overtook Lewis Hamilton into the first real corner, turn two. I mean, turn one isn't really a real turn. Yeah, yeah. Max overtook Hamilton into turn two, okay, stuck it in there in the in the chicane, took the lead, and the only time he gave up the lead was when he pitted before Hamilton.
1: Yes, for one lap.
0: For, for one lap. That was it. Yep. So, with all of that being said, Max did phenomenal. He was so close to having a wire-to-wire finish. You know, in first there. So I'm giving Red Bull a B. I mean, I know Sergio had a a terrible drive, but Max, I don't think there was a there wasn't really a single thing Max could do better. The closest mistake that he had was when they were under safety car and he was heating up the tires and he had that little spin incident, which he didn't even lose a place for. So, yeah. So I'm giving Red Bull a B. I think that despite Sergio's finish outside the points. Max's win is so monumental for the team, for F1, and if it wasn't for him losing fastest lap at the very tail end of that race, he would currently be the uh, driver's champion. Like, he he would be number one in points, which I think is the first time that hasn't been a Mercedes driver in, like, three years, four years. They'd be
1: tied. They'd be tied, I believe, if he had fastest lap. Or would he have it?
0: No, no, no. He would have it because you got to take the point off of Lewis Hamilton.
1: Yes, 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 yes. You're right.
0: So, you know, that would have been a monumental moment in the, you know, changing of the guard, if you will, uh, for F1. So I give them a B. Moving on to the team that, well, you and I both enjoy their drivers. We both enjoy their team in general, uh, McLaren. They had a great drive as well. They got a podium, another team accomplishing the goals that we were talking about last week for them. Now they started the race in six and seven. They finished the race, obviously third with the podium and Daniel Ricciardo maintained his six throughout the entire race. What are your thoughts? What's your grade for McLaren?
1: They are clearly the third place team right now with Ferrari battling them for that spot. Uh, Again, we're only two races in, but they're also, McLaren and Ferrari are are walking away from the midfield. Again, early, but still. I have to give McLaren a a, a good grade. They did great. They're on the podium. They got a double points finish. Both drivers didn't really have any incidents of any kind, really, to note. Uh, Norris did the whole last stint on reds. Uh, He was able to hold up Hamilton for a couple laps. So I, I got to give them a, a B plus, maybe even, a, I don't know what I say. give them an A. They got a double points finish at a podium. they get an A.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I have an A for them as well. I mean, what's, what's the complaint about here? They got a podium finish. They, as a team, scored more points than Ferrari. They continue to, as you talked about, walk away from the rest of the midfield with the exception of Ferrari. But they are steadily in third place. They currently have... Uh, a seven-point lead over Ferrari in third place. And they're not that far behind Red Bull. They're 12 points behind Red Bull. And if Sergio or Max doesn't get a points finish or wrecks out or something like that, they could very easily be knocking on that door for a second. And with Mercedes being only seven points ahead of Red Bull, you know, who knows? McLaren is, you know, one or two oops from Red Bull and Mercedes away from being in that conversation to be more than just the runaway third place team. And I mean, you know, credit to Lando as well. He moves up to third in the driver's championship, you know, with 27 points, a pretty big gap up to Max and Lewis, but they did everything they needed to. They get an A for this, uh, for this week. I don't think there's much more we need to say about that. On the flip side, the other team that they're facing off against to basically battle for third place Ferrari, they qualified fourth and 11th because Carlos Sainz barely didn't make it into Q3 but they finished 4th and 5th. That's a pretty good drive from Carlos. What's your grade for him?
1: Again, we were saying that uh, pre-race, double points finished would be great for them. They got 4th and 5th. I think that's, that's pretty high up there on their team's wish list, probably. I mean, a podium would have been phenomenal, but 4th and 5th, double points finish in general, 4th and 5th is great. I'm, again, giving them a B plus and A. This is, a, this is a car at the beginning of the year that we really did not think would be anywhere near these two spots. So I know we had some some wrecks and, and it was a rain race and whatnot, but you got to capitalize on whatever you can. It's racing. So I'm giving them a B plus or an A, a uh, great drive from Ferrari. And again, you get another race where both both uh, Mercedes drop out or something, or both Red Bulls drop out or whatever it, it, it is. And they're knocking on the door for third or maybe even second. Who, Like, you know, it's crazy. F1 is crazy right now. Yeah. You
0: got to settle on one grade. What, What's it going to be? Is it going to be a B plus? We'll, is it going to be an A? We'll give him an A. Give him an A. Okay. I'm giving him pretty close. To that. I'm giving him an A minus solely because I feel like Charles should have been able to defend against Lando a little bit better towards the end there. He would have been the one sitting on the podium in third place, but you know, Lando managed to outduel him and because of that and the fact that obviously no one was able to hold off the talent of Lewis Hamilton. That's why Lando gets the podium instead of Charles. They did a great job still a minus both McLaren and Ferrari. I don't think there's anything to complain about. If they go out and do this type of performance every single week, then I think this season, maybe they don't win it. They obviously, you know, wouldn't win it if this is the point situation for the rest of the year, but I still think it's a uh, great performance out of McLaren and Ferrari, so A-minus for them. But now to move down to the very distant fifth team in the Constructors' Championship right now, AlphaTauri obviously qualified dead last with Yuki, and then another great qualifying from Pierre in fifth. Pierre ended the race, though, in seventh, and Yuki ended in twelfth. What do we make of the positives and negatives of Alpha AlphaTauri's drive this past week.
1: We have clearly seen so far, when I did all my preseason grades and whatnot in that first race grades, I was going off of preseason last year, right? We've seen preseason, we've seen the first race, seen the second race. I'm, I'm going to start going from now on off of the actual this season. You know, AlphaTauri this season, looks like they have a quick car. It looks like they have a, a battle for third place car, maybe even. We we haven't seen it to its full potential yet because both races something's happened, but it looks like they really could maybe fight with Ferrari, McLaren, and Mercedes. So with that being said, seventh and eleventh, or sorry, seventh and twelfth, that's not good enough. I'm going to give them a, a D plus.
0: D plus, okay, okay. I gave them a slightly higher grade. I gave them a C plus because in my mind, yes, it was an unfortunate situation for Yuki to qualify last. And it was unfortunate when he climbed his way back up and then spun and fell all the way back down and then had to proceed to climb his way back up yet again. But I I will also give him credit for doing that climbing, and also give Pierre credit for also having a very decent recovery drive. Because if you remember, there were four drivers who started the race on wets. Everyone else started on inters. The four drivers that started on wets were both Haas drivers, Esteban Ocon, and Pierre Gasly. And Gasly suffered greatly from a... He
1: dropped like a rock.
0: Yeah, it was a terrible tire decision by the AlphaTauri team. But once they swapped it and put Pierre on tires that could actually perform against the others, he had a, a very solid recovery drive to get back in the points and finish seventh. Again, if it wasn't for Yuki either qualifying dead last or... Him spinning out that one time, then very easily Yuki could also been in the points, especially with all the penalties that were handed out post race. So I give them a C plus. It, it was a solid effort. It was like a, a a it was one strategy mistake and two minor mistakes from a rookie driver that was the only thing preventing them from having a great points finish and another solid points finish from you know. Pierre and Yuki respectively. So I give him a C plus moving on to a team that decided to keep up the streak of having drivers start in the pit lane last race. It was Sergio Perez, you know, for Red Bull, but this race, it was the Aston Martin of Sebastian Vettel, because apparently there were brake issues. How do we feel about Aston Martin in this race for qualifying? They started 10th with Lance Stroll and 13th with Sebastian Vettel. And they finish 8th with Lance Stroll. And Sebastian Vettel gets 15th because he retired the car. But even with him retiring the car, he still completed more of the race than Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. So he gets 15th instead of 17th. Hmm. How do we feel about uh, Aston? Uh,
1: The car this year clearly is not what it was last year. They've clearly taken a huge hit and developed the car the wrong way or whatnot. Or it's probably just that aero package rule that they... Uh, really are complaining a lot about, and apparently want to sue the FIA for. But oh, whatever. God.
0: Okay. Um, yeah.
1: But with that said, Stroll moved up two spots, and a lot—not uh, Alonso. Sorry, Vettel fell back, uh, I believe, a couple spots. So. So far this year, I think this is a better race than it was last year for or last week for them. So or last race for them. Jeez, I don't know how to speak English.
0: That's troubling, considering that we're an audio based podcast. But okay, no,
1: I know it's yes, it's very very troubling for me in general with life. But uh, anywho'sin, in uh, see. I mean, they look like that's the kind of car they have this year. Getting a, one of the cars in the points is good enough. That that's average. I think if they can get both cars in the points, then we'll then we'll give them a higher grade. But they got one car in, one car out. Give him a C. Yeah,
0: I gave him a C minus just because Sebastian Vettel needs to do something. Like, we are, I mean, it's we're two races in, but we're seeing a pattern develop. And that's the fact that Sebastian Vettel, whether it's by bad luck or by, I don't know, just lack of pace, Sebastian Vettel could theoretically walk away from the season with no points. All of Aston Martin's points could come from Lance Stroll.
1: Which would be wild, which would would be wild to me,
0: which would be really troubling because is this the end of a four time world champions career?
1: I, I kind of thought that he was going to be leaving at the end of this year anyways, with the new car coming in. I kind of thought that he clearly didn't like this style of car. Uh, Once they introduced the halo, he kind of seemed to fall off a lot. And I don't know. I just kind of assumed that he wasn't going to come back next year, regardless of what team he was on.
0: Yeah, either way. They had what is looking to be an average performance for the Aston Martin car. And I just need to see more out of Sebastian. So they get a C minus in my book. But a team that did way better than our expectations for them, because I'm looking at my notes from last week. We said that for Alpine, they needed to get. Or, well, we said that Fernando needed to get a points finish because we were bagging on estimate Alcon. Alcon qualified ninth. Fernando qualified 15th. They finished the race after the penalties, both in the points, ninth and 10th, after Kimi Raikkonen was dropped down due to a uh, a penalty he received. What do we think about the double points finish for Alpine?
1: Phenomenal. Just simply phenomenal. Again, a car that looks like that. Now, obviously, they're, they're going to want better than ninth and 10th, but they're definitely not going to complain. So I, I think that's great for them. I, I'm going to give them an A minus on this one. Eh, I'll give them a B plus on this one. A minus would be higher points finish, but B plus they got a double points finish. Now it was because of penalties, but still points, are points. So double points finish. I give them a B plus.
0: Yeah, like I said, my expectations, my goals for Alpine this week was to get Fernando Alonso some points, show that you know even though he's coming out of retirement and he has the experience of being a world champion you know, that he still has it, that he he can still be that guy. So for Fernando Alonso, he got a points finish. That's great. Estimate Aukon got points, which we joked about during the wrap-up show for the Bahrain Grand Prix, that Aukon might not score any points. Yeah. So so he walked away with some points. I'm giving them an a-. I, I think that, especially considering the fact that it's very likely that we will have two Red Bulls, two Mercedes, two McLaren's, two Ferraris in the points finishing spots, a double points finish for Alpine is incredible. I don't think they're going to have too many opportunities to do that. And like you said, even if they got it with penalties, that's the way it works. That's, that's the way the, that's the way it works. So I give them an A minus. Moving on to Alfa Romeo, Kimi Raikkonen, Antonio Giovinazzi. We talked last week about how they qualified terribly at this track the year prior. They, Hold true to that this time, qualifying 16th and 17th. But they finished 13th and 14th. What do we make about, you know, the slight improvement up the up the grid for the boys at Alfa Romeo?
1: Just plain and simple, nice and quick. That's what the car looks like it's going to be this year, just outside the points. They finished just outside the points. Kimi was in the points, but I got to give him a C for this one. That just looks like the car they have this year. That looks like the deck they've been dealt.
0: Yeah, I gave them a C plus because again, despite the terrible qualifying situation, I mean we kind of expected it. It is in line with what they did last time, last year at Imola, I should say. And they climbed up a little bit. Sure, they didn't get a points finish. They were running in the points for a solid period of time. Again, they climbed. They, you know, didn't get caught up in mistakes in spins, really anything like that, so C+. plus. So now that leaves two on the track, and let's talk about the boys at Williams. Started 12th and 14th, both of them made it into Q2, which is fantastic for Williams, but neither driver brought the car home, and, I mean, Nicholas Latifi didn't even finish a lap.
1: Looked like this was going to be a track that they could maybe fight for a podium or not. Oh, geez, Lord, not a podium.
0: Wow. But, we're, uh, we're going back to like 2014. Jesus. No,
1: no, sorry, sorry. Uh, this looked like a fact that they could, they could get a points finish, at least one of them. They did really, really well in qualifying and they both just dropped the ball. Nicholas Latifi, I mean, just bad. It was just poor. That was very bad. And George Russell, come on, you were in the points. I get that you're a race car driver and you're you're in a car that you're never in that position, but you were in the points. You didn't need to you. Were, it was still wet. You didn't need to be going for some some die Like uh, I, I give him a D minus this weekend should have been way better for them. I give him a D minus.
0: I give them a C plus solely based on that qualifying performance. During the race, uh, if it,
1: you add the qualifying, yes, I'll give yes. them a C, C plus. All, but just all of my grades,
0: all of my grades are considering qualifying too. I always I, consider I, qualifying.
1: I just kind of like to. I for me, I I'm, I like that you do that because then we get different grades. But I, I I like to just do the race because that's that's the thing that pays the bills, you know. And they should have been paid, and instead they they robbed their own bank. It that was just that was poor.
0: Yeah, I give them C-plus because that qualifying was fantastic. It was great. They qualified ahead of Aston Martin. They qualified ahead of an Alpine. They obviously qualified ahead of both Alfa Romeos and Haas. So qualifying, they did everything that, you know, we wanted them to do. They got the car into Q2, and, you know, for for that, I think they did a, a good job. The race? Went terrible. Latifi, spun out, then had an incident with Nikita Mazepin. Russell, we all know how that episode played out. It's tough, but I give them a C plus. I understand it wasn't great, but C++ is where I'm sticking them. And that brings us to our final car on the track, Haas. Qualified 18-19. Only thing saving them being Yuki crashing out. And then finished the race 16-17, Only thing saving them is three other retirements. So last in qualifying, last in the race. What is your grade for Haas?
1: I I don't want to give them, I don't want to grade them the way I've been grading everyone else or I'm saying that's the car they have this year. It's just bad. Like Williams is getting better, right? Haas is just bad. It's bad. So I got to give them a, they finished two laps down. I got to give him a D minus, like maybe even an F plus. Like that was really bad. They lost to a guy who didn't even finish the race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Sebastian Vettel was placed higher. Yeah.
1: So uh, giving him like an F plus, like that's just so bad.
0: Now coming into this, the expectations were that they'd be last in qualifying. Expectations were that they'd be last in the race. That's basically what they did. They brought both cars home in one piece, which is Great job. Which is an improvement from the week prior, or from the race prior, I should say. Okay, that alone would be a standard C grade. The fact that Massapin spun with two laps left, they get a C minus. That's that's where I, mean, I put them. D
1: plus. They lost to a guy that didn't even finish the race.
0: Okay, okay. Now that you brought up that point, I give them a D plus.
1: Okay, thank you. I understand my grade's a bit harsh because that is the car they're dealt with. And they finished where they should with the car they have. But i just, that's so unbelievable that they lost. They lost to a guy who didn't finish the race.
0: Yeah, well, that's just that's just hostage here. And remember, the upgrades that they brought this past weekend are the last that's upgrades bad. they're putting on the car ever.
1: Yeah, that's unbelievable. That's so bad.
0: Yep. So, <sighs> I don't feel bad for Nikita Mazepin because Nikita Mazepin has personal things that he's done in his life that, like, I don't think he should be an F1 period. Forget, but
1: Forget about the outside of the track things. He's a joke on the track.
0: And that's true. Uh, what I'm feeling really bad about is I'm worried that they are so bad it's that... It's going to ruin
1: Mick Schumacher.
0: Yeah, that despite the pedigree, despite the expectations, I don't think... If this continues like this, and Schumacher can't, you know, show that he can do something with this car, I don't know if 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 Mick makes it to Ferrari, like he's the only thing I can. The only
1: thing I can say is is that he is few years on, following literally the exact footsteps of George Russell. But the thing though is, I don't think George Russell had this much hype around him when he joined F one, and that's the difference is that George joined a car and the car went to, to to absolute just and he had to deal with it. Schumacher joins a car that's absolute but Schumacher is he's Mick Schumacher. His, his, his nameplate on, on the timing screen is MSC. He has so much behind him that driving this poorly and having to deal with all this publicity and all this it's going to be hard for me to imagine him making it through and if he does that's awesome great for him but i wouldn't be surprised if this just burns him out
0: overall what would you give this race in its entirety grade wise
1: the race itself i get this is another phenomenal race i give it an a
0: another a back to back a's for formula one we couldn't be happier with how the season is shaping up and I'm pretty excited for our next stop, which is going to be in Portugal. Another race that was brought to uh, to F1 last season due to the, uh, you know, the COVID schedule. And another one that I'm excited to uh, to go back to. So next week, we'll be talking about uh, our thoughts heading into Portugal. What we think each team should be able to accomplish. What they might be able to accomplish in the upcoming race. And then from there, we will uh, obviously see what happens Very excited for Portugal, Hunter. I'm sure you uh, share those same feelings.
1: This has been a great Formula One season so far. I cannot wait to watch the rest of it.
0: Yes. So for next week, we'll come back and we'll talk about what the upcoming Portugal Grand Prix could look like for different teams. And until that time, if you have any questions, comments or discussion, things you want us to talk about on the air as we go through and uh, preview these races, recap these races and talk about other great things surrounding this Formula One season. Just uh, send us an email to offthepitwall at gmail.com. My name is Dan Zaleski. And I'm Hunter Connolly. And we'll see you on the next episode of Off the Pitwall, an American F1 podcast. Off the Pitwall is produced by Dan Zaleski with assistant producers Kalen Wolfskill and Hunter Connolly. A Ruby media production.